<laughs> That's my hypnotic trick to make sure you track with me today. <laughs> okay. All right. Guys, it's good to see you. And uh, Merry, Merry Christmas season to you. That's right. It's, it's the Christmas season, happiest time of the year when we're celebrating not only the Lord's birth, his first advent, but we're looking forward to his second coming, right? So there's a first coming and there's a second. And so uh, there is a sequel to this show, and we are looking forward to that time, but we celebrate it together. And so um, for those of you I don't know yet, my name's Rollin. I'm the I'll lead pastor here. It's a privilege to serve you. And um, it is one of my favorite times of week. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I was by faith <laughs> coming today because I am an aging man, and my back, it felt like a slip disc. It got like, I was like going to the gym yesterday, and it was like before I even tried, it was like, boom, you're done. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, and I was like, by faith, I'm going to be here tomorrow. And you know what? I'm feeling limber now, right? <laughs> okay, so this is my workout. And so <laughs> preaching this Bible. And so with that in mind, I'm going to tell you, this is good. We are um, actually going through a new series today, which is actually going to be called While You Were Sleeping while you were sleeping. And so if any of you are familiar with uh, uh, Christmas movies and um, popular holiday movies, you might recognize this title because it was actually filmed in Chicago. It was actually with uh, Sandra Bullock years ago. Anybody remember that one? She was working the CTA line, right? And then that dude fell and then he got knocked out. And then the guy she was longing for, you know, she was like, oh, now I can actually pretend to be his fiance and then ended up falling in love with Ben. <laughs> I know it's yeah, kind of crazy, but like, you know, <laughs> ended up falling in love with his uh, brother, and then they ended up together, right? So something happened that was different than she was expecting, right? Something happened that was different than she was expecting, but it was all while, while he was sleeping. All right, I was like, we're having a like hard now. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, I'm gonna wait for my guy to get knocked out too. No, I'm scared. All right, so listen, <laughs> what we're talking about today is how God moves in the midst of the times of waiting, right? Because the Advent season, the Advent season is ultimately about times of waiting. First, it was the advent of Christ when he was initially coming, and we were waiting on our Savior to be brought to the world. And then now we are also in a time of waiting. Are we not as the people of God? where even though we're celebrating his birth, we're waiting for his ultimate return. And so today, when we're talking about while you were sleeping, we're going to focus on this statement, that God is working even when we don't see it for his glory and our good. How many people believe that? Okay, that is a simple statement, but a true statement. God is working even when we don't see it, ultimately for his glory and our good. And so we're going to break the message down into three parts today. We're going to talk first about a time of wonder, Secondly, we're going to ask the question, what's in a name? And then thirdly, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a Savior better than we hope for. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness today, and we thank you for your word to us, and we thank you that you've given it to us to give us eternal encouragement in you. Father, that we have a hope, an eternal hope in Christ Jesus our Lord, and we're praying that today, even as we look into your word, that you would open our eyes, that we would frame each of our days, each of our circumstances, and even the trajectory of our lives in the context of your meta narrative. Father, the story that you're unfolding as you help us to know you, love you, and find our place in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's start by talking about a time of wonder. I wanted to start with this idea that there will always be a time of wonder when we ponder if and how God is going to bring about his promises. Anybody find that to be true? There will always be a time when we're 
wondering if and how God is going to bring about his promises. And the people in the Bible were no different than you and I as we wait on the Lord today. And so let's read in Luke chapter 1 together. It says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So the physician Luke was writing the Gospel of Luke as a narrative of the things that have happened so that the promises of God could actually be sure and affirmed in this man Theophilus's heart. Okay? And so he says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And I want you to notice this. It says they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. A pretty good description of them, right? If anybody was going to have God describe your life, how many people would want this description about your <laughs> life? Okay? A righteous person walking blamelessly in the statutes and commands of the Lord. Yet, or but, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Seems pretty inc incongruent, right? They were righteous, blameless in all of their ways before the Lord, yet, or but, they were barren and advanced in years. Let's skip down to verse 13. It says, Zechariah was on duty in the temple, offering sacrifices, and then it said an angel appeared to him. And he said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, listen, I'm old, dude. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, fool, I am Gabriel. <laughs> I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. So they had some time together. And then according to the word of the Lord, she conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, The Lord has done for me in these days, <coughs> in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach from among the people. And so after a long time of praying, after a long time of waiting, after a long time of being faithful, finally a promise came. 
not just a promise of the covenant blessing that whenever you serve the Lord in righteousness and faithfulness all your days, part of the covenant promises is he said, the fruit of your womb will be blessed. And you better believe that Zechariah and Elizabeth were crying out to God over and over and over again, asking for God to fulfill his promise. But God in his goodness was waiting on a specific time and a specific procedure for his promise to be fulfilled so that ultimately his larger plan could be enacted. And sometimes, let me start by telling you, it can feel like God is sleeping or slow in keeping his promises. Anybody say amen to that? It can sometimes feel like God is slow or keeping his promises or sleeping, yet Yahweh, who is the God of the Hebrews, the Old Testament prophets, Yahweh is the God who neither slumbers nor sleeps and is not slow in keeping his promises, as some consider slowness. But instead, what we see is that God has a perfect time and procedure for everything with his kingdom and meta-narrative, meaning his larger picture, his bigger picture, his bigger picture in mind of what history would ultimately need to see transpire for his will to come about and your place in it to be in view. I like what uh, Shakespeare said when he said this, that all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven ages. And a lot of times we get disappointed because we are so myopic in our relationship with God that we think that God is slow in fulfilling his promises because he's not on our timeline. And ultimately, he's not doing things the way that we want him to do it to ultimately prove himself to be good. But God is good, and he's ultimately working out his redemptive plan for all creation as we see that he has a larger story, and we are merely a player in it. We are merely a player in it. And we can get discouraged when we forget that our story is a small part of God's larger story being played out in the world. The goal is to find your God-given role in not your story, but his story. In his story, to help you contextualize and embrace life's circumstances with joy. With joy. How many people know that when you look beyond your personal circumstances to his larger story, you can actually start to contextualize your pain, your waiting, your suffering, your disappointments, and even your challenges with a new perspective of joy. If you know that God's working in it and through it for his glory and ultimately your good. The fulfillment of God's promises, you need to understand, will always look different than you expect. Will always look different than you expect. Has anybody lived long enough to find that to be true yet? <laughs> One of my favorite books is, uh, you've he heard me mention it before, but it's actually the children's series, the Chronicles of Narnia. Anybody love the Chronicles of Narnia? Okay, I read them for pleasure. <laughs> okay, my kids are grown. Okay, I have all teenagers and above now, but I read it for pleasure. <laughs> okay, and one of my favorite books in the series is actually called The Silver Chair. And if you recognize the story of the silver chair, I love the analogy of Aslan being a metaphor for Jesus, right? And whenever he brings the children into Narnia, they're up on the mountain. 
And on that mountain, Aslan is giving them a picture of what their mission is to look like. And he says, you need to look for certain signs that are going to keep you on track as you go about this mission that I'm giving you when you go down into Narnia off of this mountain. You see, we all have these mountaintop experiences if we're Christians, right? Where either you met Jesus or daily you're seeking the face of God in prayer and worship and times in the word. And you have these times on the mountain where you think that things are clear, right? Where God is giving you his word, he's giving you his promises, and he's giving you even signs to look for when you get down into life as we know it to confirm that which he's going to do. But the interesting thing that Aslan said is that when you're actually on this track, you need to remember my word because when you get down there into Narnia, it's going to look different than you expect it to. The signs that I give you are actually going to look different than you expect them to, and the fulfillment of what I'm going to bring about through you is going to look different than you expect it to, so you need to have this in mind. C.S. Lewis said this in the silver chair, and the signs which you have learned here will not look at all as you expect them to look when you meet them there. That is why it's so important to know them by heart and pay no attention to appearances. Remember the signs and believe the signs. Nothing else matters. Remember the signs and believe the signs because nothing else matters. And even in the coming of the Messiah, in this particular instance of Zechariah having this promise being given about a child who would come to his wife in her older age of John the Baptist, we see that ultimately he would be a fulfillment of the promises that God made ages ago about a forerunner for the Christ. A forerunner who would come before the Christ ever showed up on the scene and he would prepare the way of the Lord. But he had to have come at a particular time and he also had to come in a particular way for God to fulfill his promises. And we need to understand that we don't need to forsake God's provision because you had in mind how he would ultimately fulfill his promises to you. Anybody ever been there before? That God actually said, here's how I'm going to fulfill your desire for relationship. Here's how I'm going to fulfill your desire for companionship. Here's how I'm going to actually bring you into the life of God and the kingdom of God and the mission of God, but it's going to be around people who don't look like you, think like you, act like you, or talk like you, but it's ultimately going to be what God uses to shape you for his purposes. Anybody ever been there before? Oh, I'm there right now. Right? Because I'm of a Jamaican heritage, and sometimes people tell me, try to tell me to be quiet, but I'm like, listen, we're, no, we're loud by nature. <laughs> not by nature, right? And the thing about it is, is that, but God sent me to a people who like peace in the volume. My wife, let me tell you something. We've been married 21 plus years. Yes. Thank you, B. <laughs> but let me tell you something. The longer we're married, the more we see how different we are. When we first got together, people were like, what? They said, I don't know that that's actually a match, <laughs> right? And then we said, ah, oh, don't worry about them. It's like, baby, I got you, baby, bam, 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 right? And then the longer we were together, the more we saw that we have very little in common outside of Jesus. Isn't that the truth, man? Yeah. <laughs> 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 but the truth is, but the truth is, 
That is my woman. And the truth is, is that is God's gift to me to shape me, to sanctify me, to show me who I need to be in the Lord and kick my bottom into kingdom purposes. Come on, people, say amen to that. That is what she does for me every day, encourages me, rebukes me, prays for me, and loves me the way I need to, not the way that I think I need. And many times, God gives us exactly what we need, even though it looks different than we think. And waiting on God is the key. Identifying how God's going to fulfill his promises is important. Now, how do I know if it's God's provision? I want to give you three things. Number one, is it in alignment with God's written word? If God's given you provision <laughs> that looks different than you expected to, expected it to, number one, is it in alignment with his word? When the angel Gabriel eventually showed up to speak to Zechariah, you better believe it was in alignment with God's word. It was in fulfillment of God's word. Number two, does it continue to spur you on for the purposes of God? So when you finally get that man or the woman that you've been waiting for, <laughs> do they continue to spur you on in the purposes of God? Or has somehow your attention and your desire, your passion for God, somehow shifted to somebody or something else that's actually dulling you rather than lighting a flame? Number three, does it challenge you to become more or less godly? Because the provision and the promises of God being fulfilled in your life will ultimately be the former. When God provides, it will challenge you to become more godly, not less. And how many people can say amen to that? Mary and Elizabeth, though, understood this, that waiting on God can come with a stigma. In that part of the Christmas story, that actually waiting on God for his promise and his provision for God to do things his way can actually come with a stigma. When you're holding out in purity, when you're holding out for somebody who's going to spur you on into the things of God and not actually detract from it, it can actually come for, with a stigma. In Zechariah and Elizabeth's case, it was like, wait a minute, why don't you have any kids? In Mary's case, as we'll see in a moment, it was ultimately, wait a minute, you're betrothed, where'd that baby come from? Oh, the Holy Spirit came on me. <laughs> and he told me I was going to be with child in here. Don't worry, it's of the Lord. Right. <laughs> Anybody th think about that? Mary having to defend that in the culture in which she lived. She came, the waiting on God came with a stigma but as we'll see, you need to always remember that that which was a stigma can turn into lasting honor in the end. That which was a stigma can turn into lasting honor in the end. Thinking about how both Mary and Elizabeth are venerated today. But in the moment, it was tough. Let's continue to read. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said greetings O favored one <laughs> the Lord is with you greetings O favored one the Lord is with you 
And some of you who are having to deal with a stigma right now in your heart or in your relationships, maybe your family is looking at you a particular way, maybe your community is looking at you a particular way, and they're asking questions about you. <laughs> Let me tell you that sometimes a stigma and the favor of God can go hand in hand. The favor of God was upon her, and he said, hey, listen, I got a, a word for you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, greatly troubled at what might be coming, what this life might look like in the promise of God. And she tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Anybody want to find favor with God? Yes. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. A different statement. Zechariah was saying, hey, listen, I'm old. I don't know how this is going to happen. And Gabriel's like, all right, you're done. <laughs> Enough. Zip it. <laughs> Until this child is born, you're not going to be able to speak. You're not going to be able to hear, right? They had to make signs to him once John was actually born, right? What did you want to say? <laughs> right? But Mary had a different response. This is strange. This might come with a little bit of a stigma. This might not be what I preferred. You know, I'm already betrothed to Joseph. We're, we got a good thing going. I'm trying to have a happy little home right here in Nazareth, live a quiet little life, obey a few commandments, and make a way in the world, right? I want to do what everybody else is doing. And he was like, nope. You're going to be a virgin with child in fulfillment of my word. How many people know that probably made Mary a little bit uncomfortable? Would you be uncomfortable? You better believe it. But it was ultimately what Elizabeth said in verse 45 Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Our posture when God is giving us a different way of doing things in a different timing is, God, I'm your humble servant. Do it unto me according to your word. And if it doesn't look like my plan for my life, I know ultimately it's going to be better in your way and in your timing. I don't have to fit into what everybody else is doing for ultimately my story to be blessed and ultimately for the fulfillment of your promises to come about in my life. 
There's a desire ultimately to control the narrative in all of us. And Zechariah was blameless in his conduct, but not necessarily in his idea on how things should be done, how his story should unfold. And Zechariah would lose his speech and hearing, and as a result would have months of reflecting on nothing but the message which the Lord had delivered to him from the Lord. Which the angel, rather, had delivered to him from the Lord. Months of that. I can't speak, I can't hear. It's like all I can think about is that encounter I had with that angel. And all I'm thinking about is it might be different than I thought, but it's going to be good because God said it's going to be good. And if God's withholding something from me, it's actually better than what I could have put together on my own. And if God is giving me something, impregnating me with, not me, but you with something, okay, then it's going to be better than what I thought even if it comes with a stigma. And he will keep you in a place of silence. He will keep you in a place of not hearing anything else but that word until we're able to submit finally to his will. Which is better and grander than we could have ever expected. The question is, do you believe that God knows what he's doing? And trust that how he's arranging things is for the best in the details of your life. Elizabeth and Zechariah had to wait quite a long time for Zechariah to actually get that word and for John to show up. Mary, on the other hand, <laughs> came a little bit sooner than she wanted. But you see, at the intersection of God's sovereignty and providence, you had the perfect coming of the forerunner and the perfect coming of the Messiah in fulfillment of that word that this will be the sign to you that the virgin will be with child. And God's working out his meta-narrative through the intersection of the individual stories. You will have great joy when you start to see that it's not just about you. When you understand God's work in your life is not just about you. The relationships that surround you are not just about you. Your commitment to God and those relationships are not just about you. It's about what he's trying to do in and through your life in this world. And we need to lift our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. The Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, who's trying to work this story through you and us together. Continue. What's in a name? God allows our time of waiting to do this, to clarify and define our purpose while we sleep in hope, waiting for his promises to be fulfilled. I'll say that again. God allows our time of waiting to clarify and define our purpose while we sleep in hope, waiting for his promises to be fulfilled said in verse 57 now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her and on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they would have named him Zechariah after his father it was customary it was cultural right when you had a son you named him after the father junior the third the fourth right okay so it says and they would have called him 
Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted them to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid up in their heart, up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. I don't want you to miss this, that he's just showing what the product of was of their waiting. He's showing what the product was of Zechariah's silence. It gave them time for Zechariah and Elizabeth to submit to his timing and his way. So that there was a normal way of doing things in the world, and they were being called out of those normal things. When you are a holy man or woman of God, that means you're set apart to him for his purposes and his kingdom ways. You, if you belong to God, are called to be holy, set apart to him, which means that the way that the world does things isn't supposed to be the way you do things because you're called to be something and do something different. What they saw here was the normal way of naming children, but because they had that time and that period of waiting, they said, we're not doing things in the ordinary way. We're not doing things in the ordinary way. We are going to define what comes out of and through our lives by God's word. And my question is, is that what you're doing today? Where, where, my question is, would you have been without God's time of waiting in your life? Without the time of waiting, we could have been defined by and pursued anything other than the purposes of God. God uses the time of waiting to clarify our purpose and crystallize our call as he did for John the Baptist. John would be no ordinary child doing what ordinary Hebrew children did, becoming what ordinary Hebrew children become. John's name and mission were brought about through extraordinary circumstances after years of longing and emotional trials on the part of his parents. By the time John showed up on the scene, his parents were quite ready to consecrate him out of a heart of humility and gratitude. Has anybody ever been given something too quickly and you didn't appreciate it? Matter of fact, you wasted it or blew it? But when you had to wait on it, it defined for you what it should be and what it was for? Anybody now? I got a lot of things in my life too quickly, and I wrecked them. I've already shared with you some of my driving stories, okay? But other things I had to wait on, I'm like, I value, I cherish. I'm like, God, I want it to be nothing but a stewardship before you. And through their time of waiting, John's parents came to recognize that their child was not just their own, but his life was for the Lord's purposes. But what if God gave it to them before that? 
How many people know they would have probably just raised him like an ordinary child? You want a little drink? Forget the Nazarite vow. Have a little something with you, right? I come from, listen, in Jamaica, we have a little rum with our meal, right? <laughs> so, anybody have like Jamaican rum before? That clears your sinus. I'm just kidding. This clears your sinuses <laughs> in the winter, okay, from the time you're this high. So alcohol wasn't anything to me because the normal course of things, right, was have a little rum with your meal. But this guy, Zechariah, was saying, I can't raise my child like that because I've gotten a word from the Lord. He's supposed to do something different. He's set apart for God to be something different, and I can't go the way of everybody else. The question is, have you come to such a realization in your own life, in your marriage, with your children, and with your career, that ultimately... Your time of waiting was meant to show you that what you've been given by God is meant to be holy unto him. And some of you need to reevaluate what you've already got in your hands. Reevaluate it. How have I been living with it? With my relationships, with my time, my treasure, my talents. Have I just been doing what everybody else does with them? Because I can. Right? That's what we do. We do because we can today. But should you? If God's trying to crystallize his purposes in your life. This is what Zechariah and Elizabeth were able to finally see with their son John. And our time of waiting should crystallize the, pur crystallize the purposes of God in our lives. It should actually look like this. Do you like sweet treats over Christmas? This is one of my favorites. <laughs> Anybody know this one? Yeah, baby. <laughs> it's, it's basically a toffee. What does it be? Saltine crackers. Right, cheese. Okay. Saltine crackers with toffee and chocolate on top. Anybody ever had this before? Delicious. Delicious. Let me tell you when it's not delicious, though. If you take it too early. If you take it too early... What happens is that you get all the chocolate on your hands, gets real sticky, and though it might taste the same, it just doesn't have the same crunch and pop, and then you don't want anything to do with it. Anybody been there before? Right, because I smelled it in the house. I was like, it's soon coming. I smell something good. B, thank you. And I went to the fridge. She's like, it's not ready. I was like, it's ready, baby. Look at it. <laughs> Look at it. And I took it out of the fridge, a hot mess got on my hand, and I didn't want it. Because I took it before it crystallized in its time. But when you put it in the freezer and allow it to solidify, then it actually becomes that delicious treat it was meant to be. And how many people know that's what God's trying to do with the things in your life? He says, wait on it. Don't try to put it together by your hand. Let him be the director and the guide, and it will look exactly and taste exactly like he wants it to for his glory and your good. If you take it too soon, it's going to be a hot mess. And that's what some of you are in right now, a hot mess because you keep trying to put together your own stuff and you got a bunch of junk on your hand that you need to repent of, your sexual morality, your drunkenness to fit in, your lowering of your standards, being with a man or a woman who doesn't even love the Lord or belong to him, 
just because it's time for you to have some companionship. And God's like, you need to repent and wait on that which he's given you for ultimately his purposes. Last point, and we're done. He's a savior better than we hope for. Jesus ultimately comes to bring light to the darkness. <laughs> light to the darkness. I don't see how it's going to happen, Lord. I don't see how you're going to do it, how you're going to fulfill your promises. He's all right. That's all right. I'm coming as light to the world, the light of the world. Let me light up your space. Luke chapter 1, verse 67, then we're done. He said, then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit once he named him John the way that he intended him to be named. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Good news, right? To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember, God remembers his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Anybody want to do that? Serve God without fear, without fear of falling, without fear of retribution, without fear of God's wrath. That's what we get in the kingdom of God because of the life, death, miracles, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, ultimately, ultimately, it's an oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from our hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness, what we talked about, and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation. Your life is to be marked by his purposes, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the ways of peace. And it said, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So when Jesus showed up on the scene coming to give light, he says, you are able to hear from God clearly and find your voice when, like Zechariah, you finally come into the peace of not only what God says, but how he has chosen to do things. How he's chosen to do things. All the while, Jesus is bringing light to our darkness. Jesus brings light to the darkness by saving us from our sins. Jesus brings light to the darkness by contextualizing our seasons of emotionally gratifying slumber. Jesus brings light to the darkness by illuminating the purpose of our pain. If you see your story in the light of his, it contextualizes your pain. If you're on your own, you're suffering alone. But when you see your story in the context of his story, your pain makes sense. Because there's a grander purpose to it. Jesus brings light to the darkness by giving us hope and ultimately joy eternal. So as we turn from our sins today, may we become strong in spirit just like John by putting our trust in not only Jesus' saving work at the cross, but God's perfect timing for his perfect redemptive plan, ultimately, which is going to be for his glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen?
Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your word to us today. And thank you that you've given it to us that we might see you clearly. Not just, Father, go through the motions, going through the Christmas story again and again, hearing it but not really receiving it, hearing it but not really embracing the lessons in it. But God, we pray that you would help us to embrace it all. Jesus, our Savior, who came to be light of the world. Jesus, who came to be the one who sets us free from our sins. Jesus, who died and took the wrath of God on himself that we might not have to take it, but might have the hope of not only forgiveness, but eternal life in him. But even more than that, God, you came to give us life to the full. Life to the full, even while we wait. Even while we wait on your promises to be fulfilled. And God, I'm praying that every man and woman in here would have the encouragement of that promise today. That even while we wait, we would trust you in not only what you're doing, but how you're doing it. We would trust you in not only how you're doing it, but when you're choosing to do it. And that God, we take great delight in it all because we know that ultimately our story is part of your grander, larger meta-narrative to bring glory to your name and ultimately good to your people. And so, God, I'm praying that you would strengthen every heart in here today with that hope, with that peace, and also that perspective. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed, please. And if there's anybody in here who says, you know what, I hear that, but I've never actually given my life to the Lord. I've never turned away from my own way of thinking, my own life, and how I've chosen to do things. I'm the king of my own life. I'm the queen of my own life. And I'm doing the things the way that I want to, when I want to, and how I want to. And I know it's caused trouble, but ultimately I also know that if I died today and I stood before God in judgment, I wouldn't stand before him as a friend, but as a foe because of my sin, my unrepentant sin. And I might have called myself religious, but up to this point, I've ultimately not lived with a true faith with my life in his hands. But today, I want to turn to Jesus. I want to turn away from my sin. I want to put my hope in the living God and what he's done for me on that cross by his resurrection from the dead and be a ma made a new man or a new woman today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for anybody in here who says, this is my hour to come to know the living God. It's not just for people in here. It's for anybody who's online too. There'll be people who can stand with you and pray with you. And if you're praying, that prayer today, you can repeat after me, Almighty God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that even when I didn't know you, you came chasing after me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to live the perfect life I should have lived and on the cross died the sacrificial death I should have died in my place. Thank you that according to your promise, three days later you raised him from the dead so that I could have not only forgiveness of sins, but new life in you. God, would you change me? Would you make a home in me? And may you lead me with this new life and trust today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were a person either online or actually in person who actually prayed that prayer today, make sure you don't leave without talking to somebody. There'll be prayer counselors over here who can stand with you. And otherwise, let's go back into worship, honoring the one who's loved us so much.